Take your very own tour around the streets of Edinburgh's historical town and follow in the footsteps of two of the most infamous characters in Scotland's history, William Burke and William Hare. podcast can be used as part of a self-guided tour around the Burke and Hare locations in Edinburgh. We've included an easy-to-follow map as part of this podcast and it can be downloaded from the podcast page of our website. This week's exhibition looks at some of the old images from the story of Burke and Hare. Over the past three episodes we've looked at the body snatching phenomenon which gripped Edinburgh at a time when its anatomy lecture theatres were at the forefront of medical learning in Europe. We've seen how families of the deceased would often bury them in mort safes or mort cages and how some people would even man lookout towers in a bid to deter the resurrectionists. We've looked at some of the appalling conditions for the poor in Edinburgh, a situation which meant that life was cheap, and one which Birkenhair used to prey on their victims, choosing targets who would not be missed. Now we take you around some of the places which played an important role in the story of William Burke and William Hare, the Westport murderers. Our tour is organised according to location and not in a chronological order, so our next location is the head of Liberton's Wind. Head back along the Grass Market, up Victoria Street and cross George IV Bridge at the public crossing next to the Bank of Scotland branch next to the Lawn Market. The statue of David Hume should be over the road from you. Liberton's Wind was demolished when George IV Bridge was built. It went down from the Lawn Market to the Cowgate. The entrance to Liberton's Wind sat directly opposite where the statue of David Hume sits now. Three gold-coloured sets or bricks line the pavement to show where the execution spot used to sit. This was the same spot where the scaffold for Burke's execution was built. Burke was executed on January 28, 1829. Thousands upon thousands of people packed around the scaffold to see the execution take place. Sir Walter Scott even purchased a window seat, which he had to share, in order to see the death of Burke. Edinburgh University Museum Head back down George IV Bridge, past the Museum of Scotland on the left, and the Bedlam Theatre on the right. Cross over to the McEwen Hall. This museum is generally closed to the public but does open for special occasions such as the Doors Open Day which takes place every September. In the museum you can see the skeleton of William Burke. Burke's body in a somewhat ironic twist was given to Dr Alexandra Munro to dissect. And I think we said in our first, per- our first podcast that the dissection of his body was almost as popular as his execution. And in fact Dr Munro actually had to stop the dissection in front of his anatomy students because so many people wanted to walk past. Something in the region of 20,000 men I think and a few women which was almost unheard of in society at that time. Our next location is the courtroom. Retrace your route back to Liberton's Wind. Walk into the large open square next to St Giles. Head into the area to the right hand side of St Giles next to the statue of Charles II on his horse. The trial was to take place here. The date was set for Christmas Eve 1828. The proceedings lasted all day and night, and at 8.30 on Christmas morning, not something that would normally happen now, but at 8.30 on Christmas morning the jurors left to deliberate. The verdict was returned. Burke was found guilty. MacDougall not proven. Now, in Scots law there's this thing called not proven, which people often say basically says, um, you're innocent, but don't do it again. It seems to be a bit of a legal cop-out. That trial lasted 24 hours without a break. In fact, at one point, at the very beginning of the trial, the judge actually had to order 
the um, windows in the courtroom open because it was so stuffy with the number of people that were there. The police museum. Walk round the back of St Giles past the Market Cross. Look for a blue-coloured shop front of the police museum next to the entrance to Fish Market Close. This is really oh, a couple of minutes walk away from the courtroom. This fascinating little police museum and information centre contains a small business card holder which was made from the skin of Burke. This museum is free to enter. And actually, if you're in Edinburgh and you're not from Scotland, it's a useful place to go if you happen to lose things or you need any advice. Um, there's always somebody there, usually a police person who's there to help you with any requests. Stephen Law's Close. Head down the high street, and again, you're only walking for a couple of minutes before you come to Stephen Law's Close. Look for the close, it's just next to the Games Workshop, and you can head down there. This was where daft Jamie Wilson, one of the most famous victims of Birkenhair, he was staying here with a porter named James Downing, a lodging in Stephen Law's Close. And of course it was daft Jamie Wilson who was one of the most notable Edinburgh people that Birkenhair actually preyed on. Normally their modus operandi was to go for people who were not going to be noticed, who were not going to be missed. Daft Jamie, on the other hand, although he was down on his luck. He certainly had a mother who was looking after him. And in fact, after the trial of William Burke, Wilson's mother tried to take a legal case out against Burke and Hare as well. Our next location is High School Wind. Walk down to the bottom of Stephen Law's Close, turn left where it meets the Cowgate. Head under the arch of the South Bridge, past Bannerman's Pub on the left-hand side, and turn up to the right where you reach High School Wind. High School Wind would undoubtedly have been well known to Burke and Hare as it led from the Cowgate up to Surgeon's Square address of Dr Robert Knox. Dr Knox was of course the customer for the increasing number of fresh corpses which would feed his anatomy lectures. And this was a gentleman who boasted that he would have corpses for really regular anatomy lectures which you give far far more anatomy lectures he was promising to give than legally could be fed according to the laws of the time. Gibbs Close. Walk back down the High Street wind to Cowgate. Turn right and walk along the Cowgate to the bottom of St Mary Street. Walk up this and cross it to the right-hand side. Turn right at the little side street and follow it round. This will bring you to the back of Gibbs Close. Now, Gibbs Close doesn't actually exist in the same way it did during Burke and Hare's time. We do have the back of the close, or the location for it, and we have the entrance for the close. William Burke's brother Constantine lived here with his wife in a building in Gibbs Close. William brought Mary Patterson and her friend Janet Brown to his brother's house. And this was where Patterson was murdered. And Patterson was the second most famous victim, if you like, of the Irish too. Gibbs Close, we should point out, is no longer in existence. You can still see the head of the close, but it's now built into a shop on the Canongate. Calton Hill. Head down past the High Street and the Canongate to the Scottish Parliament. Turn left at the Watergate, go past Queen Mary's bathhouse on the opposite side of the road, and look for the small flight of stairs going up to the left. Follow this until you come to the steps on the right leading up to Calton Hill. The most infamous Edinburgh jail was the toll booth, which stood just next to the High Kirk of St Giles. It was demolished in 1817 and was replaced by Calton Jail, which stood here until 1930 when it was replaced by the vast grey bulk of St Andrew's House. Burke was kept in Calton Jail until his execution date. The jail no longer exists aside from some of the outside walls and the Governor's House. You can see the remnants from both Calton Hill and also from the North Bridge and from Jeffrey Street, which you can access from High Street just where the Netherbow is. Well, I would like to welcome all the new members that have joined us since last week's podcast. It's great to see so many new people joining the community. I hope you find something of interest and useful on our podcast and on our website. 
I'm going to post a list of forthcoming podcasts on the website. This isn't set in stone, but it should give you a good idea of the type of stuff that we're going to be covering over the next few months. We are open to suggestions, so please email us if there's anything you'd like us to cover. I know a lot of people consider coming to Edinburgh for their holidays, particularly roundabout now seems to be a, a very good time for people choosing where to go. And if you want some hints for things to do, then I'm sure I can offer some suggestions for the history buffs out there. As I mentioned last week, this podcast is now up on iTunes, so you can subscribe to it, which might, get, which, um, might make it easier to get hold of. The continuing saga of Portsburg or Portsborough has been resolved thanks to conversations with two taxi drivers I've had over the past few weeks, um, who assure me that it's pronounced Portsborough, not Portsburg. And I'm going to pay a visit to the Edinburgh Room for the George IV Library, which is a fantastic resource for anyone interested in Edinburgh's history, and speak to some of the staff there to see if they can give me extra advice. Well, next podcast, we spend time giving you the lowdown on our massive Old Town of Edinburgh tour. This is something that we're really, really proud of. This has taken more or less five years to photograph, film, alter, develop, improve, and we're now pretty happy with it, so we hope you are too. Our free resource will be a map of the tour route we take, one which you can do in real life, of course, and which gives you the best Old Town experience should you come to Edinburgh. Certainly the best Old Town experience that we think... um, you can do. None of this, of course, costs any money if you come to Edinburgh and you want to walk these routes. They just are a little bit different from some of the guidebooks and it's a quite a twisty, windy, in and out one that will give you a real, a real taste for what life in the old town must have been like. We've got another competition coming and we'll try to answer any questions you have for us. Please keep the emails to sales at actualeducation.co.uk. Keep them coming and until then, happy virtual touring. Yeah.